welcome to the latest episode of Intelligent Transport's podcast. My name is Leah Hockley, I'm the editor of Intelligent Transport and your host for today. And joining me on this episode is Douglas Spears, Director of Product Management at Medaxo. Today we will be discussing a wide range of innovations that are currently being developed and implemented across the public transport industry, including electrification and mobility on demand, among others, as well as considering what the future of the industry may look like. So Douglas, first of all, I would just like to say thank you so much for joining me today. It really is fantastic to have you here to discuss such important topics for the industry. Thanks, Leah. It's a pleasure to be here. So Medaxo is perhaps a new name to some of our listeners. So could you maybe kick off the podcast today just by telling us a little bit about the business as well as maybe its customers and your role as product director? Sure, I'd be happy to. So as you mentioned, Medaxo is a new name, but it actually all began around three decades ago with the Trapeze Group, which was made up of several dozen businesses that focused on the transportation sector. Uh, 2020, Medaxo was formed to bring these businesses together under a single banner. Today, we're a collective of technology companies that are passionate about changing the face of public transportation. One of the things that's unique to us, our business, is that at Medaxo, we, we don't sell our companies. They're, it's a home for life for them. Today, we're about 14 businesses that provide comprehensive technology solutions in the public transportation sector, including fixed route, demand response, passenger rail, parking and trafficking, ticketing and fairing, and more. Uh, we have about 40 offices in 22 countries across the globe, roughly 2,000 employees working for us, and half of those, or 1,000 or so, are here in Europe and the UK. Uh, over 2,500 customers worldwide, and our parent company, CSI, based in Toronto, Canada, has invested roughly $1.5 billion in new companies in 2021 alone. So we continue to grow and grow and focus our strengths. For us at Medoxo, it's specific in the public transportation or the people transportation sector. One of the things that is unique about us is that we, we work together, but independently amongst our companies that are under the Medoxo family. And what that allows us to do is use our global leverage to deliver local solutions. For us, we think it's very important that our technologies are used to meet the local challenges, that we have people in place to help understand the local environment, the local knowledge, and the local know-how. Part of our focus is not only on the people transportation, but on the outcomes that are related, such as reducing congestion in big cities, decreasing the environmental impact of various types of transportation, and all the while trying to create sustainability in what we're doing. Of our different companies, Trapeze is probably the most known amongst them, but we have many others that are operating in segments within transportation, such as Signature Rail, uh, AEP, Ticketing Solutions, Toronto, and Imperial, who provide traffic management and congestion parking solutions. And as you mentioned at the beginning, innovation is, is one of our key drivers. We, we want to be seen as the trusted thought leaders that enable our customers to realize their goals and, and ambitions and their visions and do it in a partnership approach. One of the other areas that's really important to me as well is that our, our involvement in these megacity projects where the, the, the challenges are at such scale that we're, we're invited as the innovation and technology leader in these large-scale projects. 
As for myself, I've been working in the transportation software business for about 17 years. In August of 2021, I joined Bidoxo to head up the product management and product strategy for our businesses here in the UK and in Europe. And then my goal is that I'm actively engaging with our strategic customers and partners to ensure that their requirements are represented in our product roadmaps and help steer the direction of our group. So you mentioned there about megacities and their innovation requirements. What trends are you seeing there and how does Medaxo support them? I think one of the biggest trends that we're, we're seeing when it comes to the megacities is, is that the, the scale of the, the problems or the challenges and the solutions that they're trying to implement require the expertise that we have gained in our, our business over the years. And if we think of the mega cities and what's going on, so the ITS solution in London, scheduling and dispatching for the large fleet of vehicles, driver duty allocation systems, as well as Taranto, who has the technology that's behind the enforcement of the ultra low emission zones for the city of London. Uh, another example is in, in Dubai with their taxi service. Uh, in, in Dubai, the taxi industry is regulated by the regional transit authority uh, and we partnered with the transit authority to design and develop and implement a solution to monitor and control all the taxi vehicles within the city uh, we have large its systems in place in, in cities like Riyadh and singapore uh, in atlanta georgia in the u.s where they provide over 100 million annual trips per year uh, and our, our reaches as far as Rio de Janeiro, Sydney, and Chicago. So we, we're on all corners of the, the map, which is for us, again, it, it, it allows us to utilize our global capabilities to bring the best knowledge together to help the mega cities de design, develop, and implement these solutions to tackle the problems on, on a scale that's uh, monumental when, in comparison to, to the average large urban area in, in the, around the world. And our focus is always on the customer, whether it be the transit authority, but more we see the customer is, is everyone who's involved in the service from, from the drivers, from the persons and the monitoring control centers down to the riders and their caregivers. It's everyone who's involved with uh, the mobility or the movement of people. So they're able to re-engage with their communities and get around in the most sustainable way they can. Absolutely. And you're talking a lot about innovation. And of course, everyone is very focused on vehicle electrification at the moment. So what is Medaxo doing in this area? <laughs> this is a very interesting topic because of the uh, what, what we get feedback from, from different uh, persons in the industry regarding this uh, uncertainty around the range anxiety of electric vehicles and how they can integrate electric vehicles in the fleet. There's a lot of pressure on them as well, too. For example, the mayor of London has a goal to have the entire bus fleet electric by roughly 2035. So the pressures are mounting for public agencies to be able to utilize these electric vehicles going forward. So what we're doing in terms of innovation is bringing the information from the electric vehicles into the control center where the operations are managed. So pieces of information we can get from the electric vehicle charging systems or their state of charge, what is their range, their run times, 
and their charging status. We've built in automatic monitoring alerts. So when they, the vehicles reach thresholds, people are alerted to this to make changes or decisions. Uh, we're integrating artificial intelligence to have prediction models. So not only are we able to alert when the vehicles are, are running low on a charge, we're able to predict when they will be running low on a charge. And while we're doing this, we're pulling in data so we can do comparisons between planned and actuals or actuals versus historicals that gives the operators better knowledge of how to utilize their vehicles more effectively. The next evolution of that will be integrating it with planning tools. So this will allow the operators to have improved utilization of their electric fleets, thus giving them a reduced carbon footprint, better return on investments in terms of the, the electric vehicles and how they're charging and their charging infrastructure, and also the uh, procurement of electric vehicles going forward that because of the different local needs, the local environments, there isn't a one size fits all electric vehicle for every city in, in the world. So with our tools, we're able to take the, the knowledge of what's happened, use our innovation to create modeling tools that are incorporated with planning so agencies will have a better understanding of what type of vehicles they should procure, how to use the vehicles more effectively that they've already procured, and also how to plan routes that take advantages of the running range of the electric vehicles. Again, the main goal is to provide the tools to reinforce the usage of the electric vehicles to reduce this anxiety to build confidence amongst the people who manage these services. I suppose we've talked about two of you know the most significant innovations within the public transport industry already, but what other areas of innovation do you see developing in the next few years? Yeah, so I, I see that there's three key areas where our innovation is important: ITS, mobility on demand, and data and analytics. Within the, the the broader scope, I think in ITS, one of the big innovations, especially how it's happening within the UK, is, is franchising. It's something that we have supported. Uh, it's central to the I, IBUS model of 16 years ago in London, and it's also being delivered in Singapore. And we're about to start a similar project in Riyadh. But franchising isn't just a binary yes or no. Again, going back to our knowledge and experience, we're able to help the regions with their specific requirements and that we're flexible to meet their needs, not only the needs of other peer cities. One way that we do this, of course, is in partnership and the approach in designing the solutions with our local teams. We've delivered this in mega cities and we're rolling it out in larger urban cities. And I think as time goes forward, especially as a result of COVID and the change in ridership, we'll see a lot more of this franchising model being implemented throughout the UK and most likely throughout Europe. Another area of ITS is the integration of the duty allocation or the, the driver information. There's a huge potential to support efficiencies, but we also have to make sure that we improve driver engagement and driver retention. Uh, another area again to bring up Tranto is the integration of, of traffic and congestion to help mitigate disruptions, keeping the buses moving. Uh, with our ability to leverage integrations of our, our, our driver management or duty allocation with these ITS systems, these 
public authorities can better maintain service and delivery at all times, even during planned and unplanned disruptions. So you discussed about those two points there, you know, it was really insightful, but there was one bit that you mentioned right at the beginning, which didn't quite touch on, and I think it'd be great to expand on. Obviously, you mentioned mobility on demand as another area of innovation. So what more can you tell us about that? Mobility on demand is, is very interesting to me. What we've seen is that public transportation is, is rapidly changing, partly driven by the pandemic. Uh, the, the ridership demands and expectations have changed. I, I like to think of it as something like the Netflixing of, of mobility, where the pe- people have changed their, their habits and how they want to get around, and they're, they're less likely to ride a, a fixed route for all of their needs. So what we're really seeing is now is an evolution of this demand response space, which was typically a closed, closed service for a select group of riders to being something that's open for all. It's providing you know, the ease for them to have a mobility option on their own terms. Part of this is supported with services such as mobility as a service, where our role we see is being the data aggregator. We have multimodal journey planners. Uh, we include micro mobility in those, so bike sharing, scooter sharing, other forms of transportation that are outside of the transit authorities. Uh, we have the integration with the ticketing and fairing. So what we can do is provide a self-managed mobility option. And to me, that is part of mobility on demand. It's, it's taking the role of the transit authority from being the fixed route or, or the tube or what we would see as the traditional modes to being more of a facilitator of mobility, giving the riders in their area the freedom of choice to use different types of service based on their own needs and their own requirements that they have. And again, one of the key drivers that we're seeing behind this is, is the carbon footprint that we're giving the riders not only the information that they need to pick a different mode of, of mobility, but also the ones that uh, have have a better or a, a more sustainable path forward by reducing the emissions. So if a rider has the choice between taking uh, a, a traditional vehicle or using uh, an electric vehicle or even electric scooter, we want to be the technology company that helps facilitate that choice. We also want to be the technology company that helps uh, transit authorities better understand what's going on in the service so they can shape and model it to realize what their vision and their goals of what they want to do in, in terms of the future of mobility within their area. Absolutely. And you mentioned there a really great phrase that I just wanted to pick up on about the Netflix of mobility. And I think that one of the most significant changes to travel behaviours that we've seen come from the pandemic is the fact that people expect things immediately now, don't they? People are far less willing to sort of wait around for anything so whether that be online deliveries groceries anything like that the same applies very much for transport and we've seen sort of an increase in adoption of on-demand and demand responsive transport I think because of this do would you agree with that uh yes I think that's absolutely true the the traditional demand response services were such that the the trips were mainly booked in advance uh they would go through uh, an optimization round to try to get the schedules as efficient as possible. Uh, that was very labor intensive work. Uh, now with technology and innovations we're able to push through, we, we can have services that are really more on demand. 
the, the, the fixed route is, is, you know, the traditional option that's very good for, for longer distance trips, but within a small area, uh, having some type of demand response service is more attractive for the, the, the people when it's a, becomes available for them and they do ride it. And what that means is that lower serviced fixed route uh, operations aren't needed as much as they would be. And from a, the, the transit authority's perspective, it's an important cost savings for them. Those large buses, while they're very efficient at transporting a lot of people, they're also very costly when they're empty. So the demand response service, typically a smaller vehicle, uh, can be used as a replacement and give people the, the, the freedom of choice to manage the mobility on their own and not have to wait around on it and not uh, be so reliant on a schedule going back to this uh, like Netflix with the, you know, I want to watch a movie when I want to watch it. It's on my schedule. So, yes, I, I, I see that as something that will be gaining more and more traction as we go forward. The technology has allowed it and the circumstances of the pandemic have pushed it to the forefront of the thinking within the transit authorities on how they can reshape the future of their operations and their delivery back to their ridership. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the future very much does seem to be a almost equal combination of fixed route and on-demand transport, doesn't it? And I think, like you said there, technology has absolutely facilitated this development. And I think without without all of these innovations then it wouldn't be possible and I think it's really interesting to sort of see and speculate on what the industry is going to look like in the next few years with all of these developments and yeah it'll be really interesting to see how it adapts in order to reflect that. Absolutely. So I just wanted to go back to a point that you made sort of a few answers ago about um you've you know you've mentioned data quite a lot throughout our conversation today and as well as things like data analytics and business intelligence. So do you see this as a emerging area for public transport? Uh, absolutely. I think the, the, the data and the analytics is what helps drive better decisions. And what we have is a vast amount of data available within the different technology solutions that cover the, the whole scope of transportation. And what we can do is bring that data together and harness it with artificial intelligence and machine learning to enable better decision making. Uh, it, it's important that it supports forecasting and planning for the future of public transportation in ways that you know, reduce the carbon footprint, uh, encourages people to get out and about, I think touching back on the demand response. These are key drivers going forward. And with the data, we can aggregate that, bring it together, get it into the forecasting and the planning, allow our customers to have a better understanding of where service should be provided, when it should be provided. And, and again, in a cost-effective way that's sustainable for the riders and it meets their needs. It's, the data doesn't have the value unless it's applied to something that has benefit both for the provider and also for the riders. Brilliant, thank you. And I suppose just as we come to the end of this episode today and sort of bring it to a close, are there any sort of final points that you would maybe like to highlight to our listeners today or any other innovations that you really think are sort of worth drawing attention to? Uh, I, I think, as I just mentioned, you know, one of the, the best uses of technology is when it's harnessed for the common good of people. We're doing this across the globe. 
So in essence, it's, it's, you know, we really want to foster a strong partnership with our customers in a socially responsible way. You know, in Medoxo, our vision is that we provide the technologies that will enable the daily movement of more than 1 billion people by 2030. And we need to be very innovative with our companies that are already in our family and that we're looking to grow our family, to grow our reach, to have more technology, more knowledge, more innovation brought in. So again, we can harness this at a global level and deliver it at a local level. Uh, I think for anyone that's interested to get more information about what we're doing, uh, they can visit our content hub on the Intelligent Transport website. Uh, they can check out our Trapeze Group websites. Uh, it's trapezegroup.co.uk or trapezegroup.com as well to get, all our, get to all of our local sites. And as well, if you want to learn more about Medoxo, you can go to medoxo.com and get a better understanding of the different companies that we have within our portfolio. What is our vision of the future? And how are we trying to be more progressive in the activities that help us work together in the people transportation space? Fantastic. Thank you. Well, sadly, that does bring us to the end of our episode today. Thank you so much for joining me, Douglas, as it was great to hear your thoughts on some of the really key developments that are currently underway within the public transport industry, as well as ones that are probably going to gain plenty of traction over the next few years as well as how Medaxo is supporting the industry in all of these areas. Thank you, Leah. It's very good speaking with you today. Looking forward to more interaction and watching the future of transportation evolve and uh, what I hope is very positive for, for everyone that's involved. Fantastic. Thank you. So before we go, I do have a quick message for our audience. Please do make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on our future podcasts. These will be available on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you would normally go to listen to your podcasts. Please make sure to also subscribe to Intelligent Transport to receive a free copy of our magazine as well as to be able to join in on our conversations across our social media channels. Once again, thank you so much for joining me today, Douglas, and thank you to our audience for taking the time to listen and I look forward to welcoming you to a future podcast. Thank you and goodbye. Mm-hmm.